lessons like uh, is spent on uh, on themselves and themselves alone. Uh, that will not bring happiness. Yeah. It may it may bring maybe mm, some level of satisfaction. <coughs> yeah, uh, we cannot deny that. Even a selfish person can be happy once in a while. Yeah. But in the long term, uh, the, the selfish selfish behavior or actions mindset yeah, uh, of a person who is self-centered ultimately brings uh, much grief and sorrow. Similar to the to the questions about uh, merits, yeah? should we be practicing this path for the sake of merits? Similar to that, uh, when when we say that those who practice the Bodhisattva path, uh, they truly uh, experience real happiness. At the same time, uh, it is not for, not simply for this sake, yeah, that Bodhisattvas embark on this journey. Yeah. Uh, in a way, the happiness is, uh, is uh, it comes with it. <laughs> yeah, it comes with it. It's like what I tell uh, people. Um, we. I haven't heard of any monks or nuns who ordain so that they get to receive prostrations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it kind of comes with it. Uh, but even then, it doesn't mean that... Uh, uh, it doesn't mean that you naturally get it also, no? In the case of prostrations. Yeah, but uh, the focus is never on it. So it's... Whether you get it or not, it doesn't really matter, you know. Yeah. So similar for the uh, person who embarks on the Bodhisattva path. Yeah. Uh, while there are benefits, the aim of the Bodhisattva is, is not simply to just accumulate uh, merits for its own sake, or to accumulate and then satisfy themselves. In various various texts beyond this commentary, uh, there are all these uh, masters, the Bodhisattvas, the Buddhas, who espouses how uh, when a when a person um, dedicates his his or her whole life. Now, maybe serious whole life is not just about the duration, but about how every single aspect of their life they dedicate it towards um, benefiting sentient beings. Now, when we say dedicate, initially we think about dedication or Now, if we think of dedication in this way, yeah, isn't it? Uh, and, and this is a very important step, yeah, no less. But at a certain stage, then it becomes 
such that it starts to change your body, speech and mind. That when you say something, you consciously think about how best to put it across. When is the best time to speak? Am I the best person to speak? How should I put it across? Yeah? And to really consider what is my intent of speaking. Yeah? Because it, it, the dedication that we say, uh, whether it's the Yuan Xiao San Zhang Zhu Ban or Yuan Yi Si Gong De Pu Zi Yu Xian and so on, it starts to become internalized. Then you don't need to refer to this text. Oh, this text says that I must do this or do that. Then it becomes a initially still a conscious effort. <coughs> and at a later stage, it becomes an unconscious process. Where you don't have to you don't think about it anymore. Yeah, but it becomes a natural uh, way of doing things. That when you do it, it becomes the consideration is when you speak, how to, how to benefit others. Yeah. So in that way, a Bodhisattva will dedicate their body, speech, and mind yeah, towards all sentient things. Yeah. And similarly, when they do it in this way, then there are merits. And the Bodhisattva would further dedicate those merits to sentient things also. And when we say dedicate again, uh, we may then have this question like, hey, but so how does this work? But it basically means that they are going to they are further uh, making this resolve that whatever benefits that they may derive from all these wholesome acts of helping others, of sharing the teachings, of uh, guiding people towards freedom from suffering, uh, whatever merits, whatever good fortune that may arise, they are going to use it further to help sentient things. It's kind of like how banks work, you know? Yeah? Compound interest. <laughs> yeah. When you get interest, you don't just withdraw it and use it up. You will just channel it back. <laughs> so it becomes a compound interest. Huh? So um, the first chapter, I'm, I'm doing, I'm going through this sort of like just to re-establish us again because we had one week uh, break which becomes a two weeks absence. Uh, yeah. So just to get us back to the same page. So in the first chapter, uh, there were many verses in praise of Bodhicitta. Yeah. In praise of those who have Bodhicitta. Um, and then it goes into wow, the benefits, yeah? uh, the benefits of it all. <coughs> so this second chapter is on repentance, yeah? uh, and the initial part is all about doing various kinds of offering. Yeah? Uh, and if you just read uh, on the surface, yeah? uh, like on, it does seem like a form of enticement, yeah, enticing people to like, hey, you do all this, then there's a lot of merits. <laughs> yeah. uh, the same can be seen in many other uh, sutras, actually. There was this monk in the Buddha's time. Uh, he, he went
went to see the Buddha and asked to that and informed the Buddha that he wants to destroy. And the Buddha asked him why. And he replied saying that he missed his wife. His wife is so lovely, so beautiful. Wow. So the Buddha said, okay, um, tell you what, why don't you uh, hang on first, let me show you something first. So the Buddha brought him to see the heavenly news. Yeah. The, the heavenly beings, you know. And then after that, brought him down again. And then asked him the question, so what do you think of your wife now? <coughs> Now it so happened that it's a mom who is who is uh, affected. Yeah. So the mom is a straight guy. So he has affection towards the wife. Yeah. I'm explaining this because some female, some ladies, after hearing this, like, oh, what kind of description of ladies? Yeah. It so happened that it's the wife. Yeah. Because it's a monk. Yeah. Uh, so the this monk then said, oh. Now, after seeing the heavenly uh, maidens and nymphs, my wife looks like a hairless ape. <laughs> so that's why I have to explain. Huh? If it was the other way around, then if there's a nun who is in this predicament, uh, the nun would probably say, oh, my husband is like a hairless ape. <laughs> so don't take it personally, okay? Yeah. Oftentimes, we get stuck with this kind of thing, you know? Why? Because we have attachment to our rebirth as a male or female. Yeah. But even this gender is fleeting. But again, we are attached to it. Oh, I'm a woman, I'm a man. Oh, you say something about my gender. Okay. So, then the Buddha said, if you stay on as a monk, uh, you can, uh, I promise you, you can have access to those heavenly maidens. This is inside the sutra. <laughs> now, so if, uh, there's more to this sutra, but here I want to highlight: consider that which is inside the nikayas. <laughs> Compare that with whatever is offered here. This pales in comparison. This pales in comparison because that is a very central thing that the Buddha is offering, and very blatantly, outrightly. No sugar coating. Yeah, well, actually, a lot of sugar coating. <laughs> in this fish, say like, yeah, you, you know, stay on, yeah, you can get back. Yeah. Basically, what our bosses do when we want to tender, you know? <laughs> if you stay on, yeah, yeah, I'm going to make you a manager, like, the next uh, review cycle. If you stay on, just tell me which department you want to go to, yeah? Is it a pay? Have you decided? If you have not decided, tell me, you know, what can we do? Uh, in a way, the Buddha was doing that for him. And so the, that monk actually decided, okay, I'll stay. So he started to practice. But then this, this somehow got known to others. I guess it wasn't a, a secret conversation. Maybe there were others around. So this got spread around. And Soon, uh, the other monks were commenting like, ah, see that who? Ah, that is the monk who will stay on as a monk in order to have heavenly maidens. <laughs> so it was, it was a bit disturbed and upset, but it was like, well, but that's what, you know, you can imagine the predicament, you know. 
on one hand, that's not a nice comment to be said about. You know? But on the other hand, it's true, so you continue practicing. And then one day, one fine day, one fine day, he attained Arahantu. And the moment he attained Arahantu, the moment he attained Arahantu, ah, he realized the foliness of his request, that the, the that he has put the Buddha in a spot. Yeah. He has put the Buddha in a spot. So he quickly go to see the Buddha and then repented to the Buddha. Yeah. And freed the Buddha of his promise. Yeah. Because the Buddha promised that if you stay on, you can have the heavenly maidens. So he immediately went to see the Buddha and said that he will relieve the Buddha of that promise that he has made. And the Buddha replied, yes, indeed, it was foolish. Yeah. But uh, do not worry about that. The moment you attain enlightenment, the Tathagata has been freed of that promise. So, uh, I have encountered many uh, lay Buddhists. Uh, I say lay Buddhists, not, again, again, not as an attack on lay Buddhists, but because usually for monastic, even if they have some thoughts, they may think twice to express it so publicly. Uh, but lay people, one thing good uh, is that uh, if they feel a certain way about, let's say even the teachings, they may just say it out. And the thing that is being said is that uh, in the Mahayana teachings, there seem to be a lot of overly uh, overuse of expedient means. Yeah? to the point of saying that, oh, the Buddha would actually um, give enticement. Yeah. But this sutta is inside the Nikayas. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So, and this is just one, one case. Uh, there are other cases with different scenarios where the Buddha very skillfully um, would draw people, would draw people knowing that we unenlightened sentient beings, putujana, yeah, unenlightened ones, have all our worldly desires and craving, you know. If they, the Buddha just tell us directly, fangxia, we wouldn't fangxia, we wouldn't let go. Yeah. So, entice us with what is enticing to us. Yeah. So, um, all so a lot of these practices, uh, when we really go and do it, uh, and include, the key thing is, have the right view as a guide. Yeah. Then the result is not what we see at the surface. Yeah. Not what we see at the surface. Yeah. So, um, uh, there are there are Buddhists, uh, and I would go out on a limb to say, whether it's lay or monastic alike, uh, are there those who actually um, do all these practices with the hope of having a bigger house? Do you think so? I think so. I think there are those who may do it in order to think, that, oh, I want to have a bigger house. Oh, this life, I only drive uh, Nissan. Next life, I, or maybe in next year, I want to drive a Beamer. So, or quickly or come to Buddhist library and do a lot of 
write a note and then put as an author or something. <laughs> yeah. But many times, many times for many people, uh, we may not be so materialistic also. Yeah. For many people, it is something very simple as to ask for just good health. Or maybe not even good health, just health. You know? And many times not even just not even for ourselves. Uh, yeah. Uh, when uh, yeah, as part of the daily practices, uh, I know for a fact that I think most, if not all, venerables, monks and nuns alike, they will have a list, their own list of of individuals who are in their dedication. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how other monks manage it. <laughs> yeah, I used to write down in my phone because I usually get requests through the phone, and I put it into the list. And I will just let them if it's like a first in first out list. Yeah. So if there's no new ones who come in, then that list stays there for a while. Yeah. Then as new one new requests come in, then it get pushed down. Yeah. Then after a while, I decided that that's too mechanical. So I just remember the list by heart. All, all these, those who are physically unwell, those who are, you know, got family problems, those who have job problems, all kinds. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who actually do water, light, and incense offering, uh, you may well want to try this because uh, recently. Usually when I do those offerings, there are certain reflections and uh, to some extent visualization involved. Uh, but recently, because of some uh, individuals that I, I am counseling or I'm giving counsel to, uh, when I did the water uh, offering, uh, I had this in mind, that um, I'm offering this water to the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas and enlightened ones with the triple gem, not for my own sake, yeah, but for these individuals. Uh, whatever merit there is, uh, may it benefit them. Yeah, uh, yeah it was quite a quite a interesting experience for me. Yeah. You want me want to try that sometime? So not just thinking about the Buddha when you offer, but to really consider, yeah, and uh, whatever whatever benefit that may come from it, yeah, to really devote that to uh, other individuals. jump into the text or as we jump into the text I want to apologize for the, the <laughs> as some of you notice uh, the Chinese and English text from number 22 or or so onwards they were actually uh, a bit off yeah, by a few verses so I want to just continue from verse 21 um, and, and proceed from there we 如与序 
去降临，一切妙法宝，灵塔佛身前。啊、uh, ，Even this, the this verse is actually okay. Yeah, the previous uh lesson. Myriads of flowers, every precious thing, fall down in an unceasing stream upon the jewels of sacred dharma, the chitta gem, and all supports all offerings. I didn't print it for you because oh. I I want I, I'm updating it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you need to write down the yes. the changes. Yes. Huh? Yes. <laughs> yes. I see. Yeah. 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 Just explain number twenty-two or so. Then you can finish copying this part, and then I will go to number twenty-three. You ru miao ji xiang, xi ri gong zu fo, wu wu yi ru si gong, ru lai zu fo zi. Yeah, I realize that this wu or this word, ah, I didn't quite explain. Ah, even though it appeared in the earlier verses. This is actually uh, in classical Chinese uh, one character meaning I, yeah, wo, yeah. So it's uh, it's like a uh, like you know the a like form, uh, 
the returns by right form. Yeah, so whenever you see this character in this text, uh, it basically means war, I. I will offer prayers uh, by every ways, way and means to this 
vast oceans of good qualities, may clouds of tuneful praise ascend unceasingly before them. So, so this, this phrase appears in quite a few sutra. Yeah. And it is, uh, it is uh, kind of a metaphor yeah, uh, describing uh, the uh, describing the the voice itself, yeah, much like the way when the the wave crash into the to the beach to the to the you know to the shore, yeah, it is very uh, forceful, yeah, but at the same time not unpleasant, yeah. So and wave after wave, and if you stand by the beach. Uh, the wave is unceasing. Uh. <laughs> so, in that way, uh, you would do what? That you would praise the merits of the Buddha. Yeah. Uh, this similar verse, verses similar to this, is found in Avatamsaka Sutra, uh, in the last 20 chapters, where there's Tara mentioned about the, the merits of the Buddha yeah, and it goes quite a bit yeah. uh, first a collection of ten then each of these further collection of ten and then so like just massive and after that it ends by saying that even after praising the Buddha in this way uh, we have not really uh, began, begun to Describe his merits. Yeah, uh, you have not really, you know. Yeah, so this is so immense. Yeah, so the description here is uh, in praise of the Buddha's merits, which is like the ocean. Yeah, wide, deep and wide like the ocean, massive, yeah. massive oceans of merits. Now and with these praises, there's this. Uh, in the way sincere and humble wish again there's a lot of uh, metaphor describing this uh, these praises of the merits like clouds yeah? have you ever seen a small cloud before right like that no uh, cloud once they appear is always quite a, quite a big you know yeah, so um, this description of uh, qualities, of praises, of different things as oceans, as clouds. Uh, it is a very visceral uh, metaphor to describe yeah? uh, that with this uh, praises, uh, that like the clouds would uh, reach them, uh, like the clouds. Now you must know that these are metaphors. Huh? These are metaphors. Later traditions, some later traditions, whether it's with regards to these verses or other verses in other sutras, some then take them literally. Yeah, which can be a bit dangerous. <laughs> I must highlight yeah, because a lot of these verses are uh, in the literature where we say wax lyrical. Huh? And it, it has to do with how they feel. Yeah, when, the, when they are so, uh, in a way, emo, uh, but in a positive way. 
yeah, towards ah, so much devotion, so they describe in such beautiful uh, manner. But if you then take that literally, or then you start to imagine that oh, your all your praises will form clouds, and the clouds will reach the Buddha. But where is the Buddha? Do you know where? Then you must go here. Then uh, kind of miss the point. Huh? Now, the other thing about this thing about praising the Buddha's merits is uh, in the there's a practice called uh, Buddha Nusati, yeah, uh, recollection of the Buddha. This is part of the six recollection, Liu Suinian, six recollection. Uh, in the sutra where the Buddha gave this teaching, it was with regards to those who uh, are practicing in the forest or who encounter dangers and they are fearful. And the Buddha gave this teaching that for any disciples of the Buddha, if they should face danger and become fearful, uh, they can bring to mind these six uh, objects. Yeah, these six objects. Uh, the first is Buddha Nusati, yeah, recollection of the Buddha's quality. Uh, Dharma Nusati, qualities of the Dharma, of the teachings. Sangha Nusati, qualities of the uh, Mahasangha of the enlightened ones, then uh, uh, the dana nusati, yeah, uh, recollection of how oneself has done uh, meritorious deeds, like giving, for example. Then reflection on sila nusati, yeah. sila nusati, reflection on one's observance of the precepts. That well, I have, I have been a good person, yeah giving where I can, I have observed the precepts. Even if something were to happen now, well, I'm confident. Yeah? I, my future is, 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 is quite certain. Yeah? And then further, Deva Nusati. Yeah? So, uh, some people misinterpret thinking that, oh, Nian Tian Dan, and think about God. Huh? But in the Buddhist teaching, the Buddha's instruction was to reflect on how the heavenly beings get their rebirth because of the observance of the uh, precepts yeah? and by doing giving. Yeah? So when you reflect in this way, then um, the, the, the fear, the fear of uh, imminent danger would uh, go away. Now, um, again, uh, for various teachings, when I first encounter them, I, I feel a certain way. And then over the years, as I learn more and I share more, then I have a slightly different take. When I first learned about this Liu Xuanyan was when I was a lay person and some parables was giving this teaching. Uh, and it was kind of like a, well, you just, uh, it was a very what I felt like okay you just uh, think about this this six and then you'll be okay yeah, but after a while I realized that in order for this six recollection to work 
uh, you must have known about this six beforehand. You must have known about this six beforehand. You cannot wait until you are in the in the plane thirty thousand feet and then uh, there was there's a lot of turbulence and then the captain is a tong. This is the captain speaking. All passengers uh, back to your seat. Bucket of seatbelt. Uh, all crews ensure. Uh, prepare for crash landing. <laughs> then you say, oh, I must do Buddha Nusati. so. <laughs> At the first place, you may not if you in that state of fear and shock and panic, you may not even remember. And even if you can remember, you quickly open up your phone, you know, turn on your phone and load up the file, and you read the text. Oh, the Buddha is has this quality. He's a blessed one. It's, uh, None of this will make sense to you. Yeah, will not make sense to you. Yeah, so um, the, the person for this to work, or for this to have any effect at all, the person must have come into contact with the triple gem beforehand. Yeah. For a person to reflect on the Buddha's quality, uh, it's not simply reciting those verses. Although for many people, Buddha Nusati means and admittedly, when you chant it in this way, uh, it does calm you, strangely enough. Yeah? And it, you, you do feel really religious or spiritual, if you're like me. Yeah? I love uh, the Pali chanting, uh, maybe connection from past life. Chinese chanting, <laughs> strangely enough, in the Chinese tradition. <laughs> yeah. But I realized that it was partly because of the um, difficulty in reading the text that I had last time. Yeah, number one. Number two, it the the the, the way it's chanted. Yeah, and today was my nephew was quizzing me, pop quiz. 
asking me whether I know this and that. And then he asked me, Shifu, Huan Chuan do you know? I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like if you ask me Dharma teachings, okay, fly la. But chanting, I say, Da Dei Zhou. Si Xiao Zhou, I can join in. Sing Jing, you know. Did I mention Sing Jing? Uh? I didn't mention Sing Jing somehow. Then I said, the sound of body chanting. And I said, wow, Shifu. Uh, you know other chanting? Uh? You know all chanting? Uh? Then, no, no, I don't know all chanting. <laughs> Buddha know all chanting? Uh? Well, I suppose Buddha will know all chanting. And finally, then suddenly he said, How about pass pass for? <laughs> yeah, out of the blue, you know. My nephew is not like 20 something years old, 10 year old boy. Uh. Then suddenly asked me, pass pass for? I'm like, Well, so I recited part of it. I said, so I took out my phone and I searched past Babu. <laughs> but I'm very grateful to him. Yeah. Uh, as I told my yeah, then later we chanted Tapi so some As I told my family, past Babu, I, I was actually quite surprised at myself because I actually know the tune. And I managed to go through the whole text quite okay. Just a few words that was not so familiar. Because in our monastery in the US, we don't chant past path <laughs> Yeah, so whatever I can remember is from the past when I was dragged to Go Temple last night. Yeah, and in Gongming Sun, once a year, uh, Chinese New Year, then they will chant past path for thanks to the effort. So I also cannot drag him through. <laughs> yeah. So then, those sessions, yeah. And today I would say that, yeah, I had quite a good time, you know, chanting it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, for some students, when, when they tell me that, oh, uh, I don't like chanting, I, I, was, I can totally understand how it feels. Yeah. But I want to also tell you all, uh, don't put a period there. Don't put a period there. Put an uh, ellipse. Yeah, put a dot 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 there. Yeah. To be updated. Yeah. So, uh, whether with... Hang on, let me just wrap up this part. So whether with the chanting and so on, when we say um, in praise of the Buddha, uh, in various traditions, this practice is found, whether as a practice practice or as a part of the puja. Yeah? However, uh, that is the practice of a reflection on the merits. How, do, how does one do the reflection on the merits? For each of the epithets, like we say, it, it is so, it's not, this, this part is actually not admitted. Uh, this, he, uh, that it is said that he is such, yeah, he is such. It is so, Bhagawa, yeah, blessed one. Yeah, there is a meaning to it. What, what do you mean by blessed one? Why is he considered a blessed one? Arahant, why is he considered to be one who is, uh, who is noble? Noble in his body, speech, and mind. But why is he noble in his speech and mind? He's harmless. Why? Because he has removed 
grief, hatred, and delusion. That's why. Yeah. So each of the epithets, all the descriptions, actually is linked to, again, cultivation. Yeah. So when we sing in praise of the Buddha, his qualities, it's not simply, it's not like, you know, uh, if it's that day, one devotee uh, shared with me about uh, her past 10 over years uh, admiration and adoration of K K pop stars. Uh. Yeah. Are you all into K, K something K or, or G or K? L M N O P. Korean stars. Uh. Yeah. Now you see, if you admire stars, if you adore stars, you idolize them, uh, typically it is about some qualities that you do not have and will probably never have. Yeah, in, in all likelihood. You are admiring some, somebody for something that you don't have. But therein lies the difference. It's not when we sing in praise of the Buddhas, Marriage. It's not simply as a fan club, you know, like, wow, a Buddha is great. A Buddha is But to say, ah, the conditions for the Buddha to be wise. Yeah? Now, if I were to fulfill those conditions, I too can do that. And even though I have not done that, I too have the conditions, have the potential for that. So in Buddhism, when we sing in praise of the qualities of the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, uh, it's, it's not simply as a bystander, uh, not as a third party, just admiring and then oh, fan club. Uh, uh, no. no. Uh, this is something I wanted to highlight about this practice. Yeah. Verse 24. So this Huasheng So this Wei Chen is referring to Das Mot. Yeah, yeah, so if you look at the translation here, sorry, there's a typo. Of dust. Yeah. In many other texts, uh, they use this dust mode or dust, dust mode. They are basically specks of dust. Or we turn referring to specks of dust. Specks of dust. So, Hua Shen Wei Chen Shu, it's not saying that, oh, you transform yourself into dust specks. Huh? So, just with a few characters, there's actually uh, a whole sentence inside, which is that uh, you transform yourself, you manifest yourself into uh, many bodies. How many bodies? As many dust specks there are in the world. How big are dust specks? Very small. How many dust specks are there in the world? Innumerable dust specks. Yeah. So, in many sutras, you'll find this among uh, other forms of description of huge numbers. Yeah? Either, oh, as many sand, uh, sand grains in the Ganges River. 